Hey, you're listening to the Time and Talks podcast. I'm your host, Dejal V. Patel, and this is the place where we have refreshingly real talks about the biggest problems moms face in motherhood and life and the spiritual solutions to solve them. If you're ready to reset your mindset with some major truth bombs, well then, let's dive in. Have you ever experienced a moment in your life where you felt like you had to go against the calling of your heart because you didn't want to disappoint your parents? Being South Asians, one thing that's ingrained in us from a young age is that you have to be a professional. You have to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, and you have to make X amount of money in order for you to be seen as successful, well-respected, and your reputation is worth more than what you think about yourself. You know, but sometimes your life purpose and what brings you fulfillment in life is not found in this narrow traditional box. This was a very real reality for me, going from a law career to having this nagging desire, guys. I would be driving up the New Jersey Turnpike and there would be this thought, you need to teach kids yoga. You need to kids teach kids yoga. I was driving from mediation to mediation, not knowing how that was possible, but now when I look back at it, nearly a decade later, that little voice was guiding me to my purpose of bringing mindfulness meditation and yoga into the lives of kids and moms and homes. But here's the thing, there was a lot of pushback, a lot of insecurity, a lot of fears, a lot of the unknowns of taking this path that is not normal. You know, I was scared And normally, like I feel like a lot of us are risk averse. So if you've ever stopped yourself from pursuing your passion for fear of what other people will think, fear of failure or fear of judgment of others, then you'll deeply enjoy today's guest and conversation. I'm so honored to have Balavi Gola on the Time and Talks podcast today. Balavi went from a career on Wall Street to the founder of Lark Adventurewear, the first and only activewear brand for babies and toddlers. After having her first son, she realized that nothing has changed in the baby clothes industry in the past 50 years. What's fascinating that she discovered that adult actives are actually made out of synthetic material and are treated with chemicals. And about 60% of clothes, get this guys, is made out of plastic. That's not only toxic for ourselves and our kids, but for our planet. So she made it her mission to find fabric that could provide the same comfort for babies, but was natural and safe. Now, this was completely out of the box, right? Starting her career on Wall Street and coming from a home of all doctors, taking this step out of the box was a challenging journey to navigate. And in this episode, Bullivy will chat about how she overcame societal stigma and parental expectation that you can only be successful if you're a doctor or have a professional career. She'll talk about the steps that she took to courageously take the road less traveled to build this business and embark in a career that is both fulfilling and purposeful. So if you're someone who wants to pursue your passion, don't know where to start, you have a dream, but your corporate career, your nine to five, takes away your time and creative juices, we'll share some suggestions on how to make this career switch your reality. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Balavi to the show, who's going to help us press the reset button on needing your parents' approval. Thank you so much, Balavi, for joining us on the Time and Talks podcast. I'm so excited to dive deep with you today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be part of the podcast. I love listening to it. Well, we're going to help us press the reset button on needing our parents' approval. But before we dive into the nitty-gritty, let's start off with some icebreaker questions, shall we? Sure. So 
You are going to talk a little bit about your uh, baby clothing line, and it's called Lark Adventure Wear. So this is just a personal, like I was very curious. Yeah. Where did the name, where did the name come from? Yeah. So people ask me that a lot. Um, I was kind of like, I'm making the baby Lululemon um, and uh, Lululemon uh, activewear, you know, uh, athletica is what they call it. And so I was like, I want two words. And I really wanted to espouse like what I felt about children at the time, which is like the sense of adventure and my own desire to show the world to my children and take them on that adventure um, and keep them comfortable along the way. So lark, as you know, is a bird. Um, but to go out on a lark also means to like get out there and get into a little mischief, which I am like all about with my children, right? It's just about how can they get out there and be comfortable. So lark, you know, kind of has two meanings and the bird is like very prevalent in all of our branding. And then adventure wear is just really like we are their guides in the world to show them, you know, what is out there, what is available to them in nature, but also, you know, um, spiritually, like you talk about and, and, and every, and, and every other way. So, um, adventure wear was kind of the second, second part of the puzzle. And to me, it was like the perfect kind of, uh, description of what I wanted our clothes to, to mean for parents and children. Oh, I love that. And you know, I actually didn't know Lark was a type of bird. I am a uh, bird I, junkie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I love that all your, you know, like your patterns are, you know, there's a bird in the logo and the bird, but I didn't know that. So you taught me. That's why I was oh, like, what God. is Lark Adventure? But I love the name. It is so yeah. fitting. And I love the little L's on the bottom of the onesies. Thank you. Seamlessly like put together. And we'll dive deep about your, your vision yeah. a little bit later, but I just want to where that name came from. Yep. And then my next question to you is, is um, as a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Honestly, till 11th grade, I wanted to be a doctor like everyone else in my family. And I think we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But I never thought about being anything other than that. Um, like I danced and I was never the type of kid that was like, I want to be a dancer. I want to be an astronaut. Like I wasn't that exciting. I was either like singer or doctor. Those two, those two things. <laughs> but there was something about Pepsi that you, you had. Yeah. So that came later on once I was like, I'm going to switch from, you know, being a doctor to business, like in high school. And I was like, oh, I want to be like the CEO of a company like Pepsi. Um, and I wanted to bring my kids into that CEO suite with me. Like that was kind of my dream. And I think I've made that dream a reality in a completely different way, but that one that works for me. That's awesome. And well, I'm just going to ask because yeah. my previous guest was Blaze, who was a singer. Yeah. You act, are you really good at singing? Is that no. why you wanted me to be I used to be good at singing and I do not sing anymore. I only sing in the confines of our home with our children. <laughs> uh, but I used to sing and I don't anymore. <laughs> oh, so funny. I just had to ask because our other guest is Yeah, not as good as Blaze. I'm not going to throw some pieces out to you. <laughs> so um, on your journey of kind of beating out of this traditional, unconventional path, were you surprised by any of the supporters that you had? Or on the other spectrum, were you surprised by any of the naysayers on your journey? I think there are always some of both. And, you know, my trajectory has not been straight and narrow. It's had a lot of ups and downs and curves. And um, 
I think what I've learned along the way, and I know this is like delving way deep into it, is, you know, whenever you have a new idea that's different than what people expect from you, um, there's always going to be people that rise to the occasion. And there's always going to be people that fall flat. And I think that's taught me just how to have a lot more self-confidence and self-respect in what I do. Um, and to understand that I don't really need external validation to be happy and successful. And that's changed a lot over time for me. You know, what it means to be successful and whose validation I need to feel that way. Absolutely. And I think that's something that whether you're putting yourself out there to start a business or just even like to be in your own trip, that is such an important journey. And, you know, like as far as what you're talking about, being a South Asian, there is this perceived notion of this box of what success looks like. And you share that, you know, you came from a family of doctors. Your mom's a doctor. Your dad's a doctor. Your two brothers became doctors. Mm-hmm. So that, as you said, for until 11th grade, that's what you envisioned, that that was the safe, the normal, what your surroundings were. Yeah. Now, it was at in 12th grade where you got early admission into NYU to go to Stern that yes. you decided that you're going to do business. Now, I don't even know if you can remember this moment, yeah. but what was Because I think there is this calling that when you're supposed to go on your own path, there is this nagging silent voice that kind of called yeah. you in that direction. Do you actually remember that? I know that's such a long time ago because it's, yeah. great, but do you remember that push that was going in the trajectory of this new path? I just felt like, so I think I mentioned, I went to governor school 11th grade summer, like before I applied to college. And that's when I like learned about economics and like this new, I was like, wait, I don't like science, you know, like, and as I you know, the logical person in me was definitely like, I don't like science. And then there was a teacher that I had actually, I'm like going to start tearing up or something, but I remember this and I never thought about this moment, but she's like, I can just tell that you're going to like do something special. And like, like that to me, like in my heart, I knew it wasn't, you know, being a doctor. Um, And that's kind of like, I was like, I need to figure out, you know, I was young and I knew enough to be like, I need to give something else to try. And I need to figure it out myself. And that's the harder path to take because I easily could have just like, and I know I say easily, but my mom says this to this day, she's like, the easier thing would have just been to be a doctor. And I was like, no, for me, it really would have like, um, but I was like, I want to try something different. and I want to see what's out there because if I don't, I definitely will regret it. You know, one thing is really profound that it happened to you at a young age that, you know, you didn't have to kind of take the, yeah. and you, we'll talk about your course, Craig. It's not like you had this yeah, yeah. line of where, where it's taking you from point A to point B, but I just want our listeners, like if you're listening to this and you're someone who are in your nine to five, or you're in a career that is not driving you or giving you the fulfillment that you once thought it would, it's never too late because yeah. I'll just give a prime example for me. Like I did the law degree. I you know, I went on that path and I course corrected. So I think that, you know, different phases in your life, there's going to be callings when it's the right time. And it's our choice to heed the calling or, and it'll, what I found is they'll never go away. It's just, you'll you'll go on your path and, you know, it's not like you're wasting time. Exactly. Like for me, like I still kind of followed the straight and narrow, maybe not for my parents, but for other people in my life, like I did the do, I did the nine to 
10 p.m., you know, in mm. finance. And then I was like, no, this isn't for me. And I like slowly veered off the path too. So I think, you know, for sure, everyone finds their own way. And it's just about following the signs and, you know, also being logical and being like, what do I, what are the skills that I have to take the next step? I think that's just as important as following a feeling. Absolutely. And so on your journey of, because you, you went to, you went to business school, you went on Wall Street. So like you said, you kind of did what was expected in the business world. Yeah. Um, You know, when was that point, that turning point of you going from that straight and narrow to branching out to what could potentially have been seen? I mean, I actually think that nowadays, right, being an entrepreneur is not that far off the beaten path because yeah. of us blossoming. But I'm sure For at the sure. time that you were you were doing it and, you know, even when I was doing it, it was still like, that's yeah. ri- like that's risky. Like, why do something where you're not getting a paycheck and you have that yeah. stability? So when was that in your journey as far as like, switching from the traditional path to the untraditional path? When did that happen for you? And what were some feelings associated with that? Maybe I give a summary of my journey because most people probably don't know it. Yes, go (laughs) ahead. So, uh, you know, came from a family of doctors. The quick rundown is I decided to be a business major and I went to NYU Stern. I was a finance major, which for most people is like, a really great major, but for my family, it was, you know, like really hard for them to wrap their head around me doing something that was not familiar. And they just were unsure of what my path would be. Long story short, I graduated, I did investment banking for a little bit. And then I worked in the hedge fund industry, which was like the first time that they felt like, okay, this is something that like the outside world sees as successful, right? And I was working my butt off and I was like, I actually enjoyed it because I had an internal drive to kind of like get to the top of my field too, you know, and I had that ambition to like, if my parents didn't understand it, then I would show them, you know, what it was to like be successful in this field. And I just was going to do it in a different way than like my family had done before. And so that was a lot of my inner drive. But yeah, so I did my nine to five. I did that. So I graduated. I worked in finance for five years at hedge funds. Um, and I actually enjoyed my job and I thought it was interesting. And But there came a certain point where I was just going through the motions and I didn't really feel like I was adding any value to the world because it was a very intangible profession. Um, and you're kind of at the top of a totem pole telling people what to do and expecting them to implement it. And that wasn't for me. Um, and every, I was a retail analyst. So every single product that we were thinking about, or like we acquired companies or we tried to turn them around and I'd be like, I want to be the doer. I want to be like touching things and products. And like, what do I love? And from a very young age, I've also always balanced like food, my interest in food with my profession. And so I graduated early and I basically was like, mom and dad, I'm going to spend six months in New York interning for a restaurant. This is not part of my story that I wrote down for you. (laughs) And then I quit my hedge fund job six months before starting business school, which is where I was like, oh, I'm going to start my own thing during business school. So it was all calculated risk. I can't say that I was like, at every turn, I was like jumping off a ledge and I didn't know what was going to happen. And I think that's a very South Asian mentality. I can't say that like I took those turns in my career um, and was, you know, there was a calculation to it. And I thought about what I was going to do and how I was going to do it. Um, And that was important to me and my personality. (laughs) Um, 
But yeah, so as I mentioned, I worked in finance. I actually ended up quitting and working on restaurant floors for six months before I started business school for some amazing chefs. And I was like, I'm going to open up my own restaurant. That's what I wanted to do. And then I slowly figured out like, no, I actually love wine and I want to help people learn about wine. So that experience forayed me into like my first startup, which I started during business school, which was called Vine Lust. And it was a wine startup. So like, I was like, I don't do anything like half. I'm like all in kind of person. So like once I was like vineless, like I showed up on the first day of business school and I was like, I'm going to do this. This is like my whole life. And I like took wine courses and like I was the wine girl school and I was like, I got certifications, you know, like it wasn't like I uh, was like, yeah, I'm going to start this wine business. And then like, you know, I was like, I'm going to be like a wine expert and I'm going to find the best people to help me. Long story short. Um, and we can delve into this, you know, it wasn't, I graduated, I actually joined like an accelerator, which like helps you kind of, you know, find funding for your business. And it was a really uh, tough atmosphere. And so I stopped working on my wine business. And I was like, I just graduated from business school, I'm going to like, go back to the corporate do, but I'm still doing a product and I want to do marketing. And then my competitor called me and they're like, I want you to work for us. And so I got the opportunity to build the company I thought I want, I was building myself just for like really experienced entrepreneurs, um, which was amazing because I was young. I was just out of business school and it was like, I was living my dream. I was like in the wine industry. I was like fulfilling what I wanted to do, which was introduce new people to wine. And that like journey was amazing. And I think if we still lived in Los Angeles, maybe I would have been there, but my husband ended up moving to Pittsburgh and it wasn't my own company. And I think in my heart, I always still wanted to like build something on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and then long story short, did some consulting, uh, had my children. And that's when, when I had my first son is when I came up with the idea for Lark Adventure Wear. Um, and my calling for Lark Adventure Wear, I feel like goes well beyond just like, hey, I want to help people. Like, I felt like there was so much I would bring to like an industry that had been unchanged for so long. Mm-hmm. And it's like, over the last two years that I've been building Lark become more than just like, I'm give, putting a product out there, but more so like, I feel that the Lark, you know, our clothing and our mission um is hopefully helping families lead a better life, which is like a, the next level for me of like, I don't know, personal pursuit, right? Like I feel like it's beyond a profession for me. Absolutely. And, you know, I think you laying out the trajectory of your journey, there's one really crucial thing that I want to point out is that a lot of times people think that one thing needs to be building off to the other thing, after the other thing, like your trajectory needs to be like you're, you have one goal and it needs to be that one goal. And yeah. from your journey, you can hear that you did. I mean, Someone might be listening someone might to this. think that's crazy. <laughs> right. No, someone might also think it's like, well, isn't that failure? Like you were in the wine industry and you stopped doing that to now pursue this. So did you have feelings of like, this is a failure or this was, uh, you know, a mistake? And if you did feel that, like, how did you overcome that? Or what did you do to kind of process I that? I think my 22 year old self would have been devastated that I like had a failed startup and like. I did have a failed startup, right? Like it's not mine today. It doesn't move. It it doesn't move on. And yes, there were some assets that transferred to the other company, but in most terms, it was a it was a failure. Like I ended up working for my competitor, 
Um, and it's not my, it wasn't my own, you know, and they did it better than me. Like that's the failure and that's okay. And I think at that point in my life, I was okay with it for many reasons. Um, number one, I didn't have kids and, uh, and even if I did have kids, I think, you know, moving on and getting a salary at that point was, you know, the most logical decision, even if I did have someone to provide for, um, but it was a huge learning lesson. It was more of a lesson for me than a failure. And that's the way I saw it. Mm-hmm. Like whatever I started next, I'd be like a thousand times more equipped. And it, it certainly was the case for me. Like uh, that was, that was more of a business school lesson than anything I learned in a classroom. Um, and even seeing how someone did something bigger, better, stronger than I was able to do it was like one of the best kind of educations I could have gotten. So I think it's all perspective, right? I could have sat there and been like, oh man, someone's like doing something better than I am. And I like put my ego to the side and I was like, what can I learn from this? How do I help them with the assets that I've created for myself? And um, how do I become better for what's next for me? Absolutely. And, you know, I truly believe in this journey. Like, it's funny, like when you read kids books, a lot of those lessons are so simplified. And so for us too. And I remember like reading like very early with Ayan, a Todd Parr book. And it's so simple because we hear it all the time, right? It's okay to make mistakes. That's how we learn. And I really realized like I started to embody that because I was such a perfectionist and I wanted Mm -hmm. to make everything Perfect. And um, I really started defining failure in a different way. Like failure is essentially just giving up on something that you believe in. And for you, like when I hear your story, like to me, like I wouldn't even define that as a failure because you were taking what you learned. And like you said, you were using it to a trajectory for this new opportunity that opened and presented itself for you. So I- I think, like you said, it's all about perspective. And just because something doesn't right, work right the first time, I'm pretty sure that you learn invaluable skills For and sure. that you probably even can, even it's a different industry, just even being a totally. businesswoman that you apply or you use today with your company. So, yeah, I think um, like, I, I mean, it's, I think with any business, and I'm sure you know this, like, it is just about like, constant try like you try things I fail all the time even in a successful business and it's just like how you view those failures that change I fail every day but I win every day you know and those are the things that make you better the next morning when you wake up and it's not easy you know but I think and maybe that's why entrepreneurship is not for everyone but I thrive off of learning from what I could have done better and then finding a way to win. I know that sounds really like obnoxious, maybe. No, <laughs> like, I I, it. I that's it. like how I work. You know, if I can't yeah. do it, then I'm going to figure it out. And right. it's like a puzzle to me. Right. It's like always being a solution seeker rather than being stuck in the problem. Exactly. Um, so I love that. And, you know, talking, like we talked a little bit about like, you know, how your parents, you know, perspective yeah. and expectations or their their viewpoint of like what they perceived of you, how that plays a impact in your childhood and when you were yeah. growing up. Now as a woman now, like do you still feel in certain aspects of your life that you still defer to needing approval from whether it's your parents or anyone outside of you? Yeah, I mean I think it's so natural to want affirmation and encouragement and the, you know, I guess 
you, you want people that you love to feel proud of your accomplishments. And I think that will never change. But I also found that I just need to be confident in my accomplishments, even if the outside world doesn't view them as such. Um, and that took me a while because I think even though my parents were kind of on the fence about a lot of my early decisions about being a finance, you know, once I was in the hedge fund industry, they're like, oh, this on paper looks really good. Like my friends are going to like this. And not, not just their friends, like they were like, you're secure, you have financial security, like all those things, like the boxes were checked and they were finally like, ah. <laughs> and then I was like, yep, well, now I'm going to work at restaurants. <laughs> And they were like, what are you doing? Like, you're throwing this all away, right? And at that point, I had to be like, I was married by that point, actually. So they had less to say about it. No, but um, my husband has been super supportive through the whole time. But I think that they have figured out that I'm always going to be on my own path. And they've learned to support me, even though they don't always understand it. And I think that's, their growth and my growth together because I used to need their acceptance and I'm okay without it because I don't always make the right decision to them. And I think anyone can attest this, right? Like as a child growing up, you want to make your parents happy, but at some point you're going to disappoint them. You're going to, you know, make mm -hmm. them feel bad. And I think that the way I've defined success is so different to them, but there's still a, part of me that's like, you know what, I'm going to blow Lark up and I'm going to make them proud. And mm -hmm. it's just because I love them. And that's okay, too. You know, like, I want them to be proud of me, of course, but I don't make decisions as a result of that desire. Right. And would you say that your, what is your definition of success been now that you've gone on this path? I think in, you know, in some ways, it's very similar to before, you know, I want to be perceived as like a successful business person. I actually don't think that's changed from the time I started my business career. You know, like I want to be a successful business person, what type of business that is and how that's perceived to other people doesn't matter to me as much. So I think, you know, whenever I worked on wall street or investment banking, like that looks really good to people. And I kind of thrived off of that. Because like when I said it out loud, people were impressed, you know, and now to be honest, you know, most of the time, and this is some of my frustration, but I want to kind of change that perception is if I'm like, oh, you know, I own a children's clothing company. People are like, that's cute. And that would have bothered, it still sometimes bothers me. I have to be honest because I, you know, that's a societal issue that I take issue with, I mm -hmm. guess. But um I, I have taken that kind of perception to be like, I'm going to prove them wrong. Like, this is not a cute business. Like, this is a successful business. So maybe some part of me hasn't changed, yeah. but, but I'm, I'm, I'm not really seeking to be like seen on paper as successful versus like, I know that I'm creating products that make people happier. And yes, I'd like that to be successful financially as well. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so in your in your experience of what you've gone through, like if there's someone who's struggling, mm -hmm. it's kind of a two-part question. Like if there's someone struggling with 
the expectation, like thinking about the judgment of others or, Mm -hmm. you know, wanting to step out of their comfort zone to pursue something. What's the one piece of advice that you would give them? Don't think about what others think of you. And I, I mean, that's such a cliche thing to say, but I find myself saying it to myself every day because it's such a natural emotion to want your friends, to want your parents, to want your husband, to want the followers on social media to, you know, love you and accept you and love what you're doing, right? Like accept you for what you're doing. And I think it's really hard to overcome those pressures and be like, you know what, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And I'm, and that doesn't mean you do that in a vacuum, but to say like, you know what, I don't care if you think this is silly or that it's uh, out of the norm or that I'm, you know, the weirdo that's like Mm -hmm. taking this risk and saying like, I'm going to try it and I don't care what you think. Um, And I honestly have that conversation with myself every day. (laughs) You know, I want to share this with you and the listeners that, you know, and in my life, the person that I sought the most approval from was my dad. And so when I went on this path and I knew in my core that this was what I was meant to do, like I just had this nagging call that I needed to teach mindfulness and meditation to kids. That's where my journey actually started. So, yeah. and, um, you know, throughout my journey, I would, and I was embarking very like openly into a spiritual type of lifestyle, yeah. seeing shifts in my life. And I know my dad probably in any way, anyone in my life that's closest to me understood the most because he was starting to go in his own spiritual journey. And for a long time, I wanted his approval. And then one day I just wrote down a list of all the things that I felt like I needed to have, like I needed external validation for and what I wanted, like who was the person and like, what did I want them to say? Mm -hmm. And I wrote it all out. And the top thing that came out is like, I'm proud of you. And so what I did was I plastered that on my bathroom mirror. I plaster everything in my bathroom And every morning I would give the validation that I needed from outside. And I would say, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. And basically it shifted to the point that I felt really comfortable in what I was doing. And so this is how, this is how energy in the universe works. Once I did that, when I didn't need the validation, randomly, my dad's like, you know, I know I've never said this to you, but I'm so proud of what you've done, how you've changed your life and the path that you're on how you're going to, you know, and it's like when you don't need it, it's kind of like that icing on the cake. But when you want something and you're seeking validation or you want support, what we're actually doing is repelling that support from us because we're yeah. putting out this energy. So for anyone who's listening, he's like, you know, I need this person to be okay with what I'm doing or me taking this next step. Naturally, you're probably not going to receive the approval yeah. until you give yourself the approval. Absolutely. And, and I know that that's something that like you've experienced, like when yeah. your energy insecurity shifted, then, you know, the way that other people like, like you just said, like someone saying like, oh, that's cute. I used to get that a lot. Like, oh, that's a cool hobby. Yeah. Like, no, hobby. And it's like that used to irritate me. the minute that I felt comfortable. Those things just naturally don't bother you yep. because it's just like, well, it's not affecting me at a personal level. So yeah, absolutely share. Yeah, uh, that's, that's great advice. And I think uh, it ebbs and flows. The energy 
it's not like a every day I wake up and I'm just like, don't give a crap what anyone thinks, right? It's right. just not that way. Like some days I wake up and I'm like, hey, some of my closest friends haven't bought Lark, you know? And that used to really bother me in the beginning. And I listened to something, sorry, I'm just going off on a tangent, but like, that's actually one of the hardest things. Like, you know, my, I think my focus has shifted from like, my evolution of who I cared about, right? As I yeah. grew older was yeah. like my peer set. And I think I talked to you about that a little before and what I wrote out, but it wasn't my parents because I had convinced them that I'm just a complete nutter. But like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my parents know that too. <laughs> with it. It's not. She's, she's just crazy. But like, you know, or, or they were just like, yeah, what can we do to help you? You know, like that's where they are now. They're like, how do yes. we make your dream yes. a reality? You know, and I love that. You know, yeah. and they don't know, they don't, yeah. they don't always know how to help, <laughs> but yeah. they are like, how do we help make this like the deal? Right. Yeah. Um, but I think it's shifted to be like, oh, like I used to work in finance and like now this woman's crazy. She's like going off to like work in the wine industry, right? Like there's always someone with a negative opinion. Yeah. But, uh, but don't you feel like when I feel like, and this is not a judgment, but I think that, you know, what I've experienced is that when when you see someone succeed or someone following their path, if there's someone who's having a niche of uncomfortability with it, it's usually because there's an unfulfilled desire, whether they're conscious of it or not, of something they're not allowing themselves to do. And that's why I always look at it. So if it's coming from a place of judgment or, you know, yeah, that's cute. It's always like there's something in you that we've not addressed yet. And I'll let you have the space until until you figure it out. Or even like I just listen to, I listen to a lot of podcasts that are about a lot of different things. But um, this woman said something really important. Like she had this idea and she's like, if I had asked the 10 closest people to me, whether it was a good idea, they would have been like, you're nuts. Mm -hmm. But there was someone else that really appreciated the product and she like has a multi-million dollar idea. Right. So it's just that the people closest to you may not see what you see. Yes. And that doesn't mean they aren't close to you anymore, but it does mean you need to surround yourself with the people that do get it. Um, And I think that's important too, because everyone does need a support system. um, And sometimes that support system is not who used to be that for you. Absolutely. And you know, I, I truly look at, and like you probably already know, I look at a lot of things at a bigger perspective uh-huh. and I really do see because of the same experience of like where our parents came from and where their mindset is from, you know, we, just as we are a generation with different thoughts and we are supposed to bring a different contrast of energy and viewpoints, like you're very much a teacher to your parents who came yeah. from a certain mindset as well as their uh, they instill like stability and mm-hmm. the importance of financial stability. Now, our children are also a different generation with different yeah. vibrancy, different set of gifts. And so my question to you is now through your experience of you kind of being that trailblazer, you are like that white light in a mist of, not that it's darkness, it's just like yeah. a white light who's chosen to do something different to yeah. kind of give permission and to kind of be that example that, Hey, like you can follow your own path. You can do you and you can be successful and fulfilled. Now with your children, have you, what are, what are you as they start to develop into, cause you have two boys who are mm-hmm. so cute and adorable. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> thank, 
<laughs> yes, <laughs> um, you know, what would you, would you say or do anything differently to raise them as far as when they're trying to find what their purpose and their gifts are and what career they want to pursue? Yeah. I mean, I think that even today in small ways, I think South Asians or many just immigrant families raise their children not to take risks, which is really interesting to me because they took the biggest risk of all (laughs) to come here, you know, and then like once they were here, I think they're like, just do what you need to do, you know, like don't veer off the path, or at least that's my experience, Mm -hmm. you know, in what I've observed. And so it's interesting because they moved to another country and they did so many (laughs) crazy things that I can't imagine. And once they were here and the way they raised us is like, don't fall, don't, you know, even when it comes to falling or like taking a risk or figuring out a problem, you know, and my parents live close by us. So I see the way that they treat my kids, you know, if they're on a playground or, you know, it's the small things that allow that I think allow them to learn that it's okay to fall. It's okay to get hurt. It's okay to, you know, take a risk. And I think it's that mentality shift that hopefully will help them later on achieve something that they want to achieve. Um, but in the same vein, like, I was kind of like, I want to do so many things that are different. But I'm very happy that my parents like, told me to do the first five things first, mm-hmm. you know, and so I think it's still a blend for me of like, I think my parents, obviously, like, had the right idea as well. And in being risk mitigating. Mm-hmm. And I still find myself doing that. Like, yeah, my 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 oldest child is like has some like musical inclination. And my husband, who's like very very left of center, is like, Yeah, he can just like be a drummer. And I'm like, Yeah, but he's like gonna go to college first. <laughs> so like, you know, uh, you don't have a backup. <laughs> just yeah, and I think that's important too. So I think it's it's the small changes in mentality that will help him and the world is his oyster. Um, and my, I have a much older brother, um, who is a doctor, but like his kids want to not be doctors. And he's like, yeah, you know, that's cool. Like, you know, whatever you do, do it well. Um, and so you're starting to see the next generation, you know, um, shift. And I think the main premise is how do I impart to them to build the skills to do whatever they want to do well? Um, because I think the flip side of it is there are, many people that like just want to try something. And I think trying something new is really important. And I think it's great. But like, how do you set yourself up to be the most successful at that new thing? You know, and, and yeah, yeah. Amazing. So let's, um, let's talk a little bit about your before we wrap up your lark adventure wear. What what what's it all about? What's the mission? And yeah, yeah, share a little bit about that. Sure. So the story behind it is, um, I had my son Vian, he's gonna be four. And he, we would get outside, you know, very regularly, and he would be wearing cotton or whatever baby clothes when he was four months old and he would be like sticky and sweaty because car seats baby carriers strollers are all made of like dark fabric and I was like okay I'm like staying cool in my Under Armour Lululemon like why doesn't I literally googled moisture wicking baby clothes nothing existed I quickly learned that uh 
most activewear is wearing made of polyester. There's a lot of chemical finishes on it. Um, and no one has been making polyester clothing for small babies because who wants to put them in mm -hmm. synthetic fabrics? Um, so I basically created a textile that's bamboo and cotton, um, and it has a special knit that wicks moisture away from the skin. So it's breathable, it's comfy, it's cozy, it's all the things you want for your baby, but it still keeps them sweat-free. So we've had an amazing reception from a lot of parents that found the same issue that I was having, which was like, my kid is either a hot sleeper or they get really hot in car seats or I live in Florida and it's hot all the time, you know, and they're very uncomfortable and they get heat rash. Um, so our clothing has been really great for sensitive skin, for babies, and we've slowly grown the business to be like going up to four toddler and we're expanding to five and six, you know, year olds right now. So um, people are interested in the product, which is really great. Um, they have a great reception to it. And yeah. once they feel the difference, of, you know, a typical like cotton onesie or a polyester footie and then ours, um, we've been able to make them really loyal customers for our brand. And the brand mission for me goes beyond, you know, comfort. Like we use sustainable materials. We use compostable packaging. We, I truly believe that we need to consume less in the world and we should be buying fewer things. And that sounds crazy coming from a person that makes things that people want to buy. But our products cost more because everything from the supply chain, the people that make them, the way the fabric is made, the construction of the materials, it's all meant to take care of everyone in the supply chain. And I truly believe like if you had three Lark Zip Buddies, it would replace 12 Target sleepers, you know, and it's because they're made well and they can wash very well. And I literally have a box of clothing for each child and I try to minimize how much I buy for them um, and be like a conscious consumer. And that's like why I feel like the mission with Lark goes beyond um, just like cute clothing. <laughs> yeah. No, I, well, first off, you know, Ayan, when I went, cause we have some Lark gear and yeah. Ayan, the first thing was like, this is so soft, Bonnie. <laughs> and I said, I know it is. <laughs> first off, what I like is, is that the colors are very modern and like there's the, the soft mint greens and like the corals and like that cute, you know, like pinkish, like, it's not like yeah. the baby. Thing. I just love the colors. Oh, Secondly, you. it, you know, I think I love well, not that I think I love. I love the idea that living a more minimalistic lifestyle is the way that it's going to go. We yeah. save more water, right? Washing yeah. less. We are, you know, saving the environment by, um, you know, just like your packaging and what you're using for your your um, clothing. And like one yeah. thing that I that I thought was really fascinating, you actually put this on your Instagram, that 60% of clothing is made from plastic, which was like, shocking to me um, because that is toxic, not just for us, but it's toxic, obviously for the environment. So it's just, just becoming more mindful of just the, if we're going to be mindful, but, but the foods that we eat, or like, we're trying to be more mindful about like meditating, we need to be more mindful about how we consume things. Absolutely. So I just love that aspect of it. And um, quality, you know, a lot of quality over quantity. I hope that's going to become over I hope so too. next generation, like the whole just lifestyle kind of motto of yeah. having this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I hope so too. And hopefully we convert more people to, to, uh, lark moms and kiddos over the, yes! over the period of time as we grow. And 
I appreciate you taking the time to to have me on and talk about my journey. And it's been a, a lot of fun. Yes, absolutely. And for any of our Time and Talks listeners who want to get their hands on some Blark Adventure gear, um, there is a discount code for you just use Time in 15 on the Lark Adventure site. And it's larkadventure.com. It's larkadventurewear.com. And you can follow along on Instagram as well. We I'm always posting my little behind the scenes uh, entrepreneur journey. <laughs> yeah, it's a very beautiful, like wonderful feed. So if you're not following Follow V already, yeah. go to uh, what's your what's your Instagram feed? It's at lark underscore adventurewear. Perfect. Thank you so much Thank for spending you. the time. This has been amazing. Thank you, and You're welcome. Bye. If you love this episode, I'd be so grateful if you subscribe, share with your mama besties, and leave me a review in the iTunes store. And as a free gift, I will share with you my seven-day stress detox course absolutely free. This is a $79 value course I'm going to gift to you complimentary as a thank you for leaving a review. If you're a mom who wants to be more present, you struggle with being patient during tough moments during the day, and you just want to experience some peace, even if it's just one minute to yourself, well, these tools are just for you. Rooted in ancient Ayurveda, yogic wisdom, and kundalini meditations that only take three minutes, these are my daily go-to tools, especially on busy days, that helps me feel centered, calm, and balanced. And I love to make them accessible for you too. All you gotta do is simply email a screenshot of your review over to me at thejal at thejalvpatel.com. That is T-E-J-A-L at T-E-J-A-L-V-P-A-T-E-L.com. And I'll send you the course details right away so you can get started. Thank you so much for listening and namaste.